Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Do you have like a white eyeshadow on? Uh, if I do, it's leftover from yesterday. <laughs> I didn't look at where. Say it looks pretty. <laughs> yeah, you missed uh, that fun little chat too <laughs> about. I was telling Lindsay how uh, I would never judge her for not getting a shower because I basically crawl out of a coffin before we record. So. <laughs> and then I said, "What was it? I crawled out of my crypt for this." Yeah, I said that should be a fun T-shirt. We should make that into some merch. That would be a fun T-shirt. I crawled out of my crypt for this. Oh man, look how long my hair is! It's getting so long. I'm a Manson girl now. (laughs) (laughs) But you wash your hair. I do wash it. That is true. I washed it a few hours ago, and it's wavy and gross now because I didn't dry it. Or run a straightener over it. So <laughs> you get all this goodness. <laughs> all that gorgeousness is what you're saying. Mm, yum. Coffin hair. Still <laughs> <laughs> smells like the crypt. Oh my God. That's like my signature scent. There you go. <laughs> smells like the crypt. <laughs> oh my God. Ode to Ashley. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> Smells like dirt and death. Hmm. <laughs> Listen, I know what I'm about. I'm not and trying moths? to sugarcoat it. <laughs> and Red Bull? A little bit of Red Bull. Maybe a small amount of Dr. Pepper. I don't yeah. know. Am I detecting notes of Red Bull? <laughs> yes, you are, because that's all my blood is anymore. I can There's smell nothing. the taurine. Oh my god. <laughs> Could you imagine if a vampire sucked all of Ashley's blood and had never had caffeine like that before? It'd be like, <laughs> like a super caffeinated vampire. I just picture it like pacing back and forth, like a cigarette in its mouth, and it's like, I have all these ideas. All these ideas. I have so much time. You have all these ideas. I pictured it immediately transforming into a bat and just flapping around like a psychopath. (laughs) I totally pictured it going into a window. Although, that's partially because one time when I was doing finals, when I was working on my PhD and I'd consumed enough that I'm pretty sure I should be dead. And maybe I was. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But I got really hopped up on caffeine and I was like, I think I'm a bat now. So I was just like walking around (laughs) flapping my arms. Oh my god, I love that so much. (laughs) I literally just walked around my apartment flapping my arms like a fucking bat. (laughs) Oh my god. I wish you had caught that on video. It would have been amazing. Uh, 
should be like, I am the knight. I am the knight. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. <laughs> Did you pick up a blanket and do the cloak where you're like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wish I had because that would have been a good story. <laughs> <laughs> the Bella Lugosi. Oh. I just picture you flying around for a while and then like stopping and like eating a fruit really close to your face. Like just like eating a grape or taking a, a large bite out of a banana and then like slowly mouth eating it. Oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> what we'll do is I'll try to detox, which won't work, but I'll try to de- I'll try to detox so that it actually does anything to me again. And then after like two weeks. I'll just do. I'll just load up really hard, and we'll see if it happens again. You just start hovering. <laughs> All my cells are vibrating. I am a bat now. <laughs> Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we're serving up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. A bit weird, but it works. Today's special is the French folktale Bluebeard. Oh, that's right. Yep, it's Bluebeard. <laughs> I'm your hostess, Ashley, and with me today, as always, are the lovely, talented, and amazing Emily and Lindsay. Hey! Hello! <laughs> Hello! Are you prepared to be kind of uncomfortable, but hopefully fascinated? <laughs> Always. <laughs> I am prepared to see how much you're going to enjoy making us uncomfortable, because I just picture the grin. <laughs> because the truth is, we all know I'm a little bit of a sadist, and that's okay. <laughs> and it's fine. Because I'm a little bit of a masochist, so that's why we're best friends. <laughs> yep. So there you go, listeners. You know what you're in for. <laughs> Lindsay's like, give me more, give me more. <laughs> and Ashley's like, take it. Ruin my life. <laughs> oh, honey, I would love to. <laughs> oh, my God. Shit's about to get weird, so. <laughs> Usually does on this show. That's true. Hello, River. I'm glad you could join us. <laughs> My dog is here, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> All right, so let's get this started with my lovely list of sources. All right, so we have the actual story Bluebeard by Charles Peralt, which I accessed on pit.edu. I have a couple of Wikipedia pages. I have one just on Bluebeard and one on Gilles de Reyes. I have an article from Encyclopedia Britannica called Gilles de Reyes. Um, well, sorry. My dog just did something weird and I have to reread that title. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to try this again. The title is Gilles de Reyes, History's First Serial Killer? Question mark. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, Emily's face already. <laughs> Color me intrigued. I detect a sparkle in Lindsay's eye. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay's like, death? <laughs> serial killer? <laughs> Can't even make it through the sources. <laughs> Nope, and it's going to get weirder because I'm going to fuck up this next name and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just, I'm just going to go for it. Uh, it's by Misha Rendakova. Inspiring Bluebeard, the story of Gilles de Rays from Medium. I have an, I guess it's an article on the history of Bluebeard from pookpress.co.uk. And finally, I have a page from the website earlybritishkingdoms.com written by David Nashford called Connemore, Prince of Poher. So those are my sources, and it will become clear what some of those weirdos are doing in there in a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. This is going to be fun. All right. So this is a wild card episode. I think it's the first one of these that we've done. So it's mm-hmm. going to be a little different from the way that I normally do stuff. We are still going to do context, though, because I like it. <laughs> All right, so like most folk tales or fairy tales, there are a lot of different versions of this story, written by a lot of different people and retold by a lot of different people. But the most famous surviving version of this French folk tale was written by Charles Perrault and first published in Paris all the way back in 1697. Nice. Oh, yes. It's an oldie. I bet those books smell real good. <laughs> <laughs> Did they use your perfume, Ashley? Yes, they did. <laughs> it's, what did we say that it was called again? Damn it. It was owed to Ashley, but it was like, cop. it was dirt and dust. <laughs> dirt and death. Or dirt and death. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have a running joke about the fact that I often look like I just crawled out of a coffin and I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> It is okay. I am extremely pale. I'm kind of translucent. We're all all right with it. We're good with it. <laughs> so while this work is classified as a folk tale, it appears to derive from actual legends about historical figures that originated in Brittany. One suspected source is Gilles de Ray, a 15th century Breton knight and nobleman who served alongside Joan of Arc in the Hundred Years' War. You might be thinking, okay, he seems like an interesting dude, but I don't understand what he has to do with this story, if you know the story. By the way, I was treated to the knowledge that neither Emily nor Lindsay knows this story. Mm -mm. So... If you do know the story already, enjoy this moment of delicious, dramatic irony, because they don't. And shit's (laughs) about to get so crazy. (laughs) It turns out uh, our delightful friend, Mr. Deres, had a secret life. Dun dun dun. Oh yeah. So for years, rumors had been circulating because children tended to go missing in the areas around DeRay's castles. No. Oh, yeah. And the disappearances seemed to be connected to DeRay's and his servants. While it was common practice for young boys to be permanently separated from their parents if noblemen took them on as servants or pages, the volume of missing children was high enough to get that rumor mill running. Uh-oh. The, the, the volume. Yes. The volume. So we, we have a metric unit for our missing <laughs> children. <laughs> okay, I bought 
That was a perfectly acceptable way to describe it, but if you want me to use a different word, I can. <laughs> no, but it's just, it's just, yeah, you can tell yeah, it's not it's just, just like, like a couple, it's like, like it's, there's, there's it's like a huge lot. amount of them. I thought volume was classier than metric fuckton, but if that was... <laughs> If that's like a better unit, we can definitely use it. We need to start using that going forward. You can. I've been using it for a number of years. It always gets a laugh. But yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fucking kids. Okay? It's a lot. It's like so harsh to use it with children. A metric fuck ton of children. Well, you know. It doesn't work to measure them in half toddlers because they're already. <laughs> oh my God. Fair. Fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> oh, Every- oh okay. Everyone hates me already because I'm like laughing about missing children. It's They went Ooh. a long time ago, so I'm not that bad of a person. Yeah. I'm a little horrible, but it's fine. <laughs> People died of way worse things back then, so missing kids is, like, the least of their problems, probably. Oh, no, it's definitely gonna get a lot worse. Oh, no. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay! (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here like, no! Lindsay's like, yes! I did say fuck me up at the beginning of the episode, so I gotta gotta stick with my... (laughs) Stick to to my guns. (laughs) I promised that lives were going to be ruined, and I'm just trying to live up to my word. Oh my god. This is a, it's, the actual story is a folk tale, so I feel like it's okay. But this shit was real, so in September of 1440. It's a folk tale, so it's okay, but this is actually real. This, this part is real. The story that we're going to do is not real, though. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, in September of 1440, Duraes was involved in a dispute with a priest. I'm going to pause for a second. A dispute with a priest. Did they get into fisticuffs? No. All right, so he got into a dispute with a priest, and being the super reasonable person that he was, he was like, you know what? I know how to solve this. And he kidnapped the priest. <laughs> what? That is quickly. <laughs> he fucking he straight up kidnapped the priest and was like, problem solved. I'm trying to math this one. I'm mad at you. We're in a battle, so I'm gonna stick you by my side and you're stuck with me. Like, how does that work? Don't you wanna not be around the person that you're in a dispute with? Not if you can falsely imprison them. <laughs> fair, fair, <laughs> fair. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, this definitely led to DeRay's getting arrested. So not a smart move, it turns out. You probably shouldn't just kidnap a priest. If you are already into a bunch of other shady shit that people might find (laughs) out if they look too closely at you. Yep. Um, So ultimately, Gilles DeRay's was tried on a variety of charges, including heresy. But... Hey, who wasn't back in the day? I mean, I definitely would have been burned at the stake, and that's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But he was also charged with sodomy, demon invocation, and murder. Uh, the trifecta. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't ready for that. Sorry. 
<laughs> All right. Wasn't prepared for that to happen, but that's, you know what? It's okay, because I bet that that priest was not prepared to be kidnapped. So at the trial, it came out that witnesses had actually seen DeRay's servants disposing of dozens of children's bodies at one of his castles back in 1437. Dozens. 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 Oh my god. They had kept silent because the witnesses were of lower social status and they essentially could not throw down against the power of a nobleman. You just don't fucking do that. If you are a peasant, you don't. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not gonna work. It's not gonna end well for you. You have to wait till he kidnaps a priest. Yep. Then (laughs) it's saved. your time. Then everyone's like, well, he sinned against the church, so your word has more value now, peasant. My time has come! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that's the kind of shit that gets you killed when you're a peasant if the person, you know, isn't already arrested for kidnapping a priest. You just don't do Mm -hmm. that. On October 22nd, 1440, after being threatened with torture, Gilles de Ray confessed to murdering over 100 children in the course of a decade. Oh my god. His exact number of victims is unknown and has been hypothesized as reaching anywhere from 140 to 600. Jesus. How? How did nobody... How? Well, the servants were forced to kidnap the victims and then DeRays would torture and murder them before engaging in uh by the way quick pause the next thing i'm going to say is super disturbing you if you feel like in any way you can't handle it hit the skip button because it's gross even for this show so before engaging in necrophilia with the corpses which is where that sodomy charge was coming from god oh my god Uh, He was sentenced to death and executed in Nantes on October 26, 1440. Now, another possible historical source for Bluebeard is the early Briton king known as Connemore the Accursed, who dates back to the 6th century. So that is the 500s for our friends who struggle with centuries. You are welcome. I am a bad person. I laugh about inappropriate things, but I will at least tell you approximately what year things happened. (laughs) Connemore dreamt of ruling all of Brittany and set out to conquer the neighboring kingdoms that comprised the loosely defined country of Brittany. So it was kind of a rough space back in the 500s. He was like, this is this squiggly area here. This is pretty much what I want. And then he just set out to capture all of the parts of the squiggly area. As one does. Yeah, that's how history works. You just set your sights on a squiggly area and then you conquer it. Uh, Along the way, he did what many rulers do. He got married to shore up his hold over the neighboring lands where the people weren't really that big of a fan of him because he murdered a bunch of them. They didn't like that. So he was like, alright, I'm gonna win your allegiance by marrying someone from here so that you stop rebelling against me. But, much like ass face Henry VIII, 
<laughs> I just really hate Henry VIII for like a lot of reasons, but yeah. Much like Henry VIII, Connemore had a nasty habit of losing his wives to untimely deaths. Hate when that happens. Yeah, yep. It's so inconvenient. It's like you just marry them, everything's great, and then, oh, she's dead. I guess I get to cry about it for two days and marry someone else. Just marry her handmaiden or something, it's fine. Marry, rinse, repeat, it's fine. Women were interchangeable. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Given how long ago this all took place, it's difficult to pin down the facts of what happened. Some retellings include supernatural elements that, for obvious reasons, we're skeptical about looking back at them from the point where we are in history now. But the short version is this. Connemore had already taken and lost, you know, lost as in he murdered them, but, you know, lost in air quotes, at least three wives, although some versions say as many as five. He was busy. Oh, yeah, he was. Uh, Before he set his sights on Trefine, a good and virtuous woman who refused to marry him because of his reputation for cruelty. He won, again in air quotes, her over by threatening to invade her father's kingdom and murder a bunch of people. I mean, swoon. Yep. That's a great way to start a marriage. <laughs> yep. Blackmail is just so romantic, am I right? You gotta oh, yeah. get it. You know he's really into you when he's like, I will murder everyone if you don't marry me. <laughs> and then you're like, oh my god. Lady Bonner. I've never heard something so romantic in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Take me now. <laughs> Emily. Just throw your dirty old 600s panties at him. <laughs> it's like burlap. <laughs> you're like, you're like, hold on one second. Like 10 minutes later after you unlace everything, you throw it at him. <laughs> Out come the lice. <laughs> He's like, yes. <laughs> Smells like victory. Oh my God. No. 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 Ashley, Ashley, you give us something terrible. We have to make <laughs> laughter out of it. <laughs> oh, okay. No more, no more old panties. <laughs> uh, so anyway, she was a good person and she was like, fine, I guess I'm going to sacrifice myself and marry this guy because I don't want him to murder a bunch of innocent people. And at first, things weren't so bad. He seemed like he really loved her. But then she got pregnant, you know, by herself, because that's how that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wasn't his fault at all. Nope. So, yeah, anyway, uh, it turns out Connemore believed he would be killed by his own son, <coughs> Oedipus. <coughs> Where have we heard that before? Gee, I don't know. Greece? <laughs> So, uh, basically, the fact that she was pregnant was a huge problem for him, because he didn't want to have any kids, because if you don't have any kids, they can't murder you. You know, how that works. Hmm. So he began to de- to plot his wife's murder instead, like, if I kill you, you can't have the baby, and then I win, because I get to stay alive. Uh, Trifine noticed that he was treating her really coldly, and basically was like, yeah, I'm fucked, like, I'm gonna get killed soon. Because that's what this guy does. Yep. 
So one night, she decided to escape and went down to the royal crypt, having heard rumors that there was a secret passage that led out of the castle from the crypt. Is this where, like, the, the old Jafar shows up? No. It's not. Um, <laughs> this is when Ashley sits up in bed. <laughs> it is, yes. I'm. Fun fact, I'm in one of the coffins, and that's how I know this story. Um, this is She's how, a witness to the whole thing. This is how I reveal to everyone that actually I am over 1,500 years old. And I really... Well, you look damn good. I really am a vampire. Yeah, I've been meaning to tell you. <laughs> That's why I'm always hydrating so my skin doesn't fall off. It is, actually. When you're 1,500 years old, you can't drink enough water. <laughs> True story. Uh, but upon entering the crypt, Trevine found several coffins, and all of them were occupied except for one. Uh-oh. The ghosts of the dead revealed themselves to her as Connemore's previous wives, all of whom he had murdered. And they warned her that she needed to escape. And it's like, duh, that's why she's in the crypt in the first place. We don't have time for this. But, you know, <laughs> I didn't write the story. I'm just retelling what I heard from in my coffin. So mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she's got her ear pressed up against the side. <laughs> What's going on out there? Terrified, she fled into the woods, but unfortunately, Connemore caught up with her and beheaded her. Nice. Yep, cut it clean what? off. He cut her head oh my clean gosh. off. Supposedly, Trefine's body was found by St. Gildas, and he restored her to life by placing her head back in its rightful position. As you um. do. <laughs> yeah, you'd hope it wouldn't be like... At a 90 degree angle or like facing or backwards. Backwards. This is so helpful. Thank you. I mean, Can just you, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's like, oh, well, these two pieces belong together. Er, 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 and she's like, hey! <laughs> He's like, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm just over here thinking like, wow, if that's all it takes to restore a decapitated person to life, we've buried a lot of people for reasons <laughs> I just can't understand. Mm -hmm. No spell or anything, just put it back up there, you're done. I'm just gonna put this right here. Put a little band-aid on it. Oh my god. Put a band-aid on it. <laughs> Have you seen the 1980s Labyrinth with David Bowie? Uh, yes. Hey, her head don't come off! <laughs> <laughs> they, like, pass the heads around. Um, I know this has nothing to do with anything, but you just mentioned Labyrinth, so I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I'm probably gonna post one of my favorite memes on social media now when this episode comes out, because we've just backdoored me into being able to do it. So... <laughs> <laughs> Back when that song Call Me Maybe came out, <laughs> you know how that shit was everywhere, and uh -huh. it got stuck in your head and you would sing it forever, well then everyone made all those fun Call Me Maybe memes, and there's one for Labyrinth <laughs> that I'm obsessed with, so it's just a picture of Jareth the Goblin King, and mm -hmm. it says, hey, I just met you, and this is crazy, but here's my labyrinth. I stole your baby. <laughs> oh, yes. That's 
That's amazing. Oh. It's happening. I've been wanting to sneak that into Instagram for a while now. Nice. You're welcome. Hashtag winning. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, so it's important to understand that the events of today's main course were probably to some extent inspired by real-life incidents in order to fully appreciate how a story so gruesome could not only come to be, but could be told and retold surviving for centuries. You see, while almost every folktale has a greater lesson, Bluebeard has perhaps the most important lesson of all. Watch your step when it comes to other people's secrets, because even the person you share a bed with might kill you to keep you quiet. Uh, Whoops. That's so dark. It's always the husband anyway. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Or, you know, the boyfriend, if they're not married yet. Mm -hmm. Never. All right, so we are finished with our appetizers. I'll be back with the main course right after this break. (laughs) Hi everyone, it's Emily from the Students Verdict podcast. We're a new bi-weekly podcast covering true crime cases, some you might not have heard of. So far we've covered cases such as The Monster of Worcester and The Disappearance of Marlene Oakes. The Students Verdict is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play and Spreaker. Also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. And remember to keep living the dream. And we're back. I hope you're hungry because it's time for the main course. Let's get into it. Once upon a time, there was an incredibly wealthy man. He had multiple fine houses, beautiful embroidered furniture, coaches gilded with gold, and a great deal of silver and gold at his disposal. But in one respect, he was extremely unlucky. He had a blue beard. This beard made him so ugly that women and girls all ran from him. One of his neighbors was a highly respectable woman, and she had two beautiful daughters. Bluebeard desired to marry one of them, but he left it to their mother to choose which of her daughters would be his bride. Neither of them wanted to marry him, in part because of his hideous blue beard, but also because he'd had several wives already, and no one knew what had happened to any of them. That's a, that's a red flag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that beard, though, it's real gross. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just brown bag the beard? Why don't you just shave it? Well, apparently he, does, he doesn't want to. He's very proud of it. What's he going to stroke when someone asks a good question? (laughs) Just his chin, like me. (laughs) It's not as satisfying. You need a beard. You do. To win them over, Bluebeard took both daughters, their mother, and three or four ladies of their acquaintance, as well as a few other youths from the neighborhood, to spend a week at one of his houses in the country. They passed a mirthful week of parties, hunting, feasting, and dancing. In fact, they had such a good time they rarely slept, choosing instead to spend the nights laughing and joking with one another. 
By the week's end, the younger daughter began to think perhaps his beard was not so blue and ugly after all. And really, he seemed to be quite a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Who cares about those fucking missing wives? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> as soon as they returned from the country, the marriage took place. Because, you know, that's how they do back in the olden days. Yep. You don't, like, get to know each other. You just get married. Because that's how they rolled. So, mm-hmm. immediately, boom, married. About a month later, Bluebeard told his new wife that his business affairs required tending. And so he must journey the country for at least six weeks. He said he did not want her to be lonely in his absence, so she was to send for any friends or acquaintances she wished and could even take her guests into the country if she wanted to make good cheer while he was away. He handed over to her his key ring and told her the purpose of each key. Two were for the large wardrobes containing his best furniture. Another opened the storage of his gold and silver plate. Two others were for his strong boxes, which contained all of his money. A few more unlocked the caskets holding his jewels, not his testicles. (laughs) (laughs) Or his ex-wives. Well, no, they're not in the, they're not in the caskets. It's not that kind of casket. These are jewel caskets. Mm-hmm. It's where you keep your fancy rubies and stuff. I mean, there are ways to compact. We talking about chopping people up? Yes, we're talking about chopping people up. Chop. I don't know if they're big enough for that, but maybe if you cut, yeah, like maybe if you cut off all the limbs and the head, maybe you stack them like cordwood. <laughs> Now all I can hear in my head is that scene in Venom where he's like, we'll stack the bodies in one corner and the heads in the other. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, why? And Venom's like, pile of bodies, pile of heads. <laughs> just, that looks good. I want a pile of bodies and a pile of heads. Done. Just how you do it. Everyone knows that. It's more feng shui. <laughs> It's to keep the heads from being put back on the bodies. With the little band-aids, because then we'll come back to life. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Solved it. (laughs) Uh, There was a master key to every room in the house, and finally, there was a small key for the closet on the ground floor at the end of the great hall. He bade her open anything she wished with the sole exception of this closet. That doesn't seem fishy at all. (laughs) I'm not hiding anything from you. Nope, not at all. Totally normal to be like, don't Mm. go in that closet. It's going to be like Friends where they open it and it's where Monica keeps all of the disorderly stuff because she's a good <laughs> going to be just like that. He's a Monica. He just doesn't want her to know. Yep. <laughs> it's where he's hiding her birthday present. He doesn't want her to find it. See, I just picture it as the that commercial with the Tupperware where the chick opens the cabinets and all the Tupperware comes falling out. <laughs> it's in there perfectly. Please don't mess with it. <laughs> if you touch anything, if you breathe, it's going to all come tumbling down. I can't have that. I washed all of that Tupperware. <laughs> it took forever. 
He swore to her that if she disobeyed him and opened that closet, she would face his anger when he returned because of the Tupperware. Mm-hmm. You know? Of course. Yeah. She's very important to him. He has a thing about the Tupperware. Who doesn't? As one should. <laughs> <laughs> when you match the lids with the top, like it, just leave it alone. Yep. <laughs> his wife promised not to go into the forbidden closet. And to do as he had instructed. And so he hugged her and left. As you do. And he's supposed to be gone for six weeks. He wasn't gone long before the wife's friends and acquaintances arrived. And they hadn't even been invited yet. They just heard he was gone and they were like, let's go touch all of his stuff. I'm just... Oh I'm God. just picturing one of them like rolling up in a, in a like chariot and being like, "Get in, bitches! We're going to visit our friend." And then they, like, Let's go through all that guy's stuff and see if we can figure out why his beard is so blue. <laughs> I've always wanted to know. <laughs> but the actual story says <laughs> that they were just very eager to see his remarkable possessions. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know. Yes. Mm-hmm. That old story. The guests explored all of the rooms, every single wardrobe, and peered into all of the closets. Nosy sons of bitches, jeez. There wasn't a lot to do back in the day. This is his hat closet. This is his boot closet. Boots. Those have less horse poo than those. (laughs) Each room seemed to surpass the last in its finery. They praised every magnificent thing their eyes beheld and wished her great happiness in her new life. But none of this interested the newlywed in the least. Her only thought was of the forbidden closet, which she was intensely impatient to open. As soon as she found an opportune moment, she snuck away from the guests She paid no mind how uncivil such behavior was, because honestly, nothing mattered to her but opening that door. So her behavior of sneaking away from the people who showed up uninvited and just ransacked her home and went through every freaking corner, her behavior is rude. Yeah, it is. Because she was like, stay there, guys. I got to go do this thing. You're not invited. Entertain yourselves. Everybody <laughs> knows a nosy Nelly is just not a good person. So she's screwed. We don't like her anymore. She's a bad person. Mm-hmm. So of it course. It makes sense. She was so impatient that she nearly broke her neck rushing down the back stairs. Damn, but, girl. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. Was her name Pandora? Like she's downstairs. She's like duck. She's like duck and roll. She just like rolls down the stairs. <laughs> see, I see her bolting for those stairs, and then she hikes those skirts and like hops on the railing and <laughs> down the like something out of a cartoon. <laughs> yes, yeah, totally like Tangled style, but way clumsier. <laughs> She was able to regain her balance and hurry on to the closet. When she finally reached the door, she paused for a moment and reconsidered her husband's warning. She wondered what punishment might befall her if he really could tell 
that the door had been opened while he was away. But the temptation outweighed her momentary caution, and she placed the little key inside the lock and turned it with her trembling hand. For a moment, the darkness prevented her from seeing anything, as there were no open windows to let in light from the outside. After a few moments, her eyes adjusted to the lack of light, and she was horrified to realize that clotted blood covered the floor of the closet. As her eyes trailed upward, she saw the bodies of Bluebeard's previous wives suspended from hooks in the walls. Mm, that's not Tupperware. No, it's not Tupperware at no. all. No. It's not a Monica closet either. I lied. No. Like a liar. It's <laughs> an interesting way to decorate a closet. <laughs> well, they're his trophies, you know? If it's okay mm-hmm. to stick dead animal heads on your wall, why not? In her terror, the key slipped from her hand and hit the floor, landing in blood. Mm -mm. She managed to pick it up, leave, and lock the door behind her, but she was in a dreadful state from what she'd just seen. She snuck back upstairs and fled to her chamber, hoping to find some way to recover from what she'd witnessed on the floor below. She soon realized the closet key had blood stains upon it. And try as she might, no amount of cleaning would remove those stains. You see, the key was magic. So no amount of effort, no scrubbing with soap nor sand, would ever be able to remove the telltale marks from its surface. Bluebeard returned unexpectedly that very same evening. I didn't expect that at all. (laughs) He informed his wife that word had reached him on the road. His urgent business had been resolved in his favor already. His wife did all she could to assure him that she was delighted by his return, hoping to avoid suspicion. The next morning, though, he asked her to return his keys. Having no choice, she turned over the key ring, and her hand was trembling so that he already knew what she had done. For a moment, he pretended to be unaware of her betrayal. And so... He carefully inspected the keys in his hand before asking why the little key for the closet was not on the ring with the others. Mm -mm. She said that she must have left it upstairs by accident, and he bade her to fetch it at once. After several attempts on her part to distract him, all of which failed... She finally had no choice but to give him the key, which still bore the bloodstains. He looked at it for a short while and then said, Why is there blood on this key? Her complexion as pale as death. Quick pause. Girl, I feel you on that. (laughs) She answered, I don't know. Oh, you don't know. 
he said. Well, I know all too well how it happened. Admit you went into my closet. When she didn't respond, he continued, Very well. It's time for you to take your place among the other women you saw there. Ew, that just gave me chills. (laughs) (laughs) She threw herself at his feet, begging for forgiveness and swearing never to disobey him again. Her trembling, crying, and sorrowful tone would have moved even a rock to be lenient. So beautiful and distressed was she. But Bluebeard's heart was harder than any rock known to man. He was not moved by her display. You must die for your disobedience, he growled. Knowing he would not forgive her, she said, Very well, if I am to die, please give me at least a short time to pray. He told her she could have 15 minutes and not a moment longer. Then he walked away. After he'd gone, she called out to her sister, Anne, and begged her to go to the top of the tower to see if their brothers were coming, for they'd promised to come visit her that day. If Anne saw them, she was to gesture to them to hasten their arrival. Anne did as her sister had asked, but she could see nothing from the tower but a cloud of dust in the sunlight and some grass. Meanwhile, Bluebeard had armed himself with a large saber. He called out to his wife to come down to him at once or he would come up to get her. (laughs) She tried to stall him for as long as she could, but alas, her sister saw only a flock of sheep from the tower. His wife swallowed dryly as Bluebeard yelled to her once more that she must come down to face her fate or he would come up to get her. I'm coming, she called back. Just then, Anne finally spied two horsemen in the distance, but they were still quite a long way off. She gestured as wildly as she could to get their attention to bid them to make the greatest haste. But then Bluebeard shouted out so loudly, he made the house itself tremble. Knowing she could not put him off any longer, his fearful, desperate wife walked down to him and once more threw herself at his feet, crying and begging for mercy. He said her whimpering meant nothing to him and that she had to die. Then Bluebeard took her up by the hair and lifted her. As he did, he lifted the great sword with the other hand, preparing to strike her head from her shoulders. She weakly asked for just one more moment to collect herself, but he told her no, her time was up. At the instant he prepared to strike, there was a loud knocking at the gate that gave him pause. The gate flung open and two horsemen entered. They leapt from their mounts and charged toward the house with their swords drawn. Bluebeard recognized them as his wife's brothers. In fear, he released her at once and fled, hoping to save his own life, but the brothers were much faster than he was. They overtook him before he could even reach the porch steps, and each of them ran a sword through his body before leaving the corpse on the ground. Nice. 
can't say I feel bad for him at all. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope, not even a little bit. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was a real winner. The poor wife still lay collapsing on the floor, knowing how close she'd come to dying. She could not find the strength to rise or welcome her brothers, let alone thank them for saving her life. Bluebeard had no heirs, so his wife ended up inheriting all of his wealth and property. She used some part of the fortune to help her sister Anne marry a young man with whom she'd been in love for a long while. Another part of the estate was used to purchase captain's commissions for her brothers, who had saved her life. And the rest she used to secure herself a new marriage to a very worthy gentleman, who loved her so well, she eventually left behind the horrors of her short-lived marriage to Bluebeard. And that's the end of the story. And so, that is dark. Oh my god. Just the idea of being in her position, being pulled up by the hair. Mm -mm. Nope. I have goosebumps. All I want to know is, uh, was his blue beard purple after they stabbed him? I don't know. It does Cause not say. Because all the blood. The blood. I don't know, and... you know, because how would I know that? <laughs> <laughs> I was in the crypt at the time. <laughs> I was still down there with those dead wives. <laughs> One of the thoughts that popped into my head when she dropped that key and it landed in blood was that, like, is the whole thing magical that the blood is still wet? Because those wives have been dead. For a while. That ain't fresh. Yeah. That's not hello fresh right there. That's not Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I was like picturing it being very wet and then there's being like, like that sticky and there being like a spot from where she dropped the key. So even if mm -hmm. the key didn't get stained, he'd be able to see that she had dropped the key and the blood that was on the floor. Yep. That's where I went. I totally pictured the same thing. Nice clotted blood floor, very in style. Very in vogue back in the day. <laughs> Hard to maintain. If your torture room doesn't have a blood clotted floor, is it really a torture room? The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, God, I'm such a dick. I just pictured, like, in order for the blood to be quote unquote, like, fresh, he has to have somebody go down once a week and, like, spritz water on the floor <laughs> to make sure that <laughs> it's fresh in this place up. fresh in this place up. <laughs> using yield too stale <laughs> yield spritzer just comes in and like sprays the floor and is like that's good and lacks it back up oh god <laughs> for breezes a place it's fine <laughs> so now that we've finished our main course it's time to take a quick break to cleanse the palate before dessert Welcome back. I hope you're ready for dessert because it's ready to go. All right. So because this is a wild card episode, we're not going to do a thing where I'm like, here's other places that we see this because dudes murder their wives all the time. And I would fucking know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I spend more time reading about that than anyone should. So <laughs> we're not going to do that. What we're going to do instead 
is I have jotted down a bunch of final thoughts uh, about the story and about the moral of the story. So we're going to have some fun with this. It's going to be a lot of stuff about how, like, why do they hate women so much? (laughs) Not cool. (laughs) Maybe don't do that. But hey, what do you know? So... Like a lot of folk tales, there were actually two morals written at the end of the story, and I didn't read them when we finished it because I was saving them for right now because they make me hostile. So let's do this. Okay. (laughs) So moral number one, curiosity almost always leads to regret. Once it's satisfied, the cost is seldom worth the temporary satisfaction. Emily. <laughs> oh, so it's it's her fault because she stuck her nose where she shouldn't have stuck it. It's not his fault because he, I don't know, killed his wives. It's her fault for getting too curious. Yeah, she's the one that was curious, so fuck her. She probably should have gotten her head chopped off because that's how the story should have ended. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like that one. You're not going to like uh, the next thing I have written down here. <laughs> at all are we ready to see red together not blue like his beard red hit me and again this is what he has for i mean i rephrased them but this is what he has written at the end of the story so number two if you consider the story logically you will surely ascertain that these events took place a long time ago no husband today would demand an impossible task of his wife, and whatever color her husband's beard may be, no wife would fail to let him know who the master of the house is. Who wrote this and when? Charles Perrault. I gotta check the year. It's 16 It was something. like 1697. <laughs> I'm really glad I checked because I was going to say 1692 and that was wrong. And ladies and gentlemen, that's because I was thinking of 1492. <laughs> when Columbus sailed the ocean blue to commit a genocide. <laughs> oh my God. Or, you know, perhaps a second genocide. He's a bad man. That's this. Yeah. But you know who else is a bad man? Charles Peralt. You know what? Number one. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, 100%. Number one, uh, it's not an impossible task to be like, don't open this closet. Women are not such like desperate, weak-minded creatures that as soon as someone's like, don't look in there, we're going to be like, ah, I don't care if he gave me a really terrifying warning and he has a bunch of missing wives, I'm going to open that. We're not dumb. Fuck you. All right. (laughs) Number two, no man is my master. Mm -hmm. No man is my master. You're not my master. Fuck you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And by the way, you can shove your story up your ass because men murder women all the time. So get out. Obviously, Peralt is both sexist and a naive jerk. But if we set that aside, it's pretty clear that the first moral is akin to the idiom, curiosity killed the cat. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
I don't disagree that curiosity can lead to bad consequences, but I think it's pretty damn absurd to try to slap that moral on a story where the thing that's discovered because of curiosity is that the husband is a serial killer who yep. has literally killed every wife he's ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no. Thank you. And also, like, bully for the husband for being like, you know, I'm going to keep all my dead wives in a room in the house and then basically entice my wife and like gaslight her into opening the door by being like, oh, don't don't see what's behind door number one. Woo. Even though I gave you the key and the power to open up the door, what's going to be there? Well, you know, we have such tiny goldfish brains that we have to go into the place we're not allowed to be. And we have to go there so fast, we almost, like, break our necks trying to get to it. Yeah, well, you know, all of the blood is in our uterus, so our brain is not getting any. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we have to live in a tent of shame in the woods for five days a month. (laughs) We just bleed our brains out every month. Yep. Why am I so dumb? (laughs) Um, All right, so we can go ahead and ask ourselves what the motive was in this story, then, for killing his first wife, who could not have possibly stumbled Mm -hmm. on a murder room filled with previous dead wives. Mm -hmm. But no, we don't give a shit about that. That doesn't matter, right, Peralt? Okay, whatever. But yeah, I'd love to hear Peralt's explanation on why she, too, is super dead when his theory doesn't work anymore. But, you know, he died, so he doesn't have to answer my questions. And he wouldn't have to anyway, because he's a man and I am a woman. Mm-hmm. As for the second moral... <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I wrote that. All right, <laughs> let's try this. <laughs> I, I can do this. It's going to be fine. As for that second moral... That can get strolling right back to hell where it came from. (laughs) (laughs) Men are not the masters of their wives, and a lot of them seem to have difficulty just cleaning up after themselves. (laughs) So, Peralt, you can shove off with that one, too. My dog is flipping out. That is the noise you are hearing in the background. (laughs) So... I wrote my own moral for this story because it's better than his. So he can go pound Sam because he's dead and I don't need his opinion. So new moral of the story. If you marry someone who has a secret room that you're never allowed to open, get a divorce or make your peace with the fact that they're probably hiding the fact that they're a serial killer or some kind of human trafficker or child pornographer. There is absolutely no reasonable explanation for an entire room to be kept locked and completely off limits to you in your own home. Mm -hmm. Also, try spending more than a week with someone before you decide to marry them. But hey, what do I know? I'm single, so you don't need to take my advice if you don't want to. However, I'm also still alive, and I, I was just that. <laughs> and I have a true crime podcast, so I know a few things. I'm just saying. Another moral that could be added to that would be: trust your gut. If your first impressions of somebody are 
hey, this guy is really creepy and I'm very uncomfortable with the idea of marrying him. Even after being at his place for a full week, trust your gut. It's, pr- it's not going to lead you astray. Yeah. Hmm. I don't really think I want to go with this guy because all his wives are missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe focus more on the fact that someone's previous partners have a weird habit of disappearing mysteriously and care less about their beard, which doesn't actually matter very much unless it's full of clotted blood. (laughs) Mm hmm. All right, I'm enraged. I was already hot, but I'm even, like, hotter now, so I'm probably, like, tomato color. Well, I would be if I had any (laughs) color at all. If you had any blood that could go to your head instead of your uterus. (laughs) (laughs) That's my secret. I don't have any blood pumping through me at all because I'm already dead. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so do either of you... Have any fun things that are not murder related, or you know what, Lindsay, if it needs to be murder related, that's okay. <laughs> that you would like to share before we wrap things up. Um, one thing I can share is I'm sitting in my new office chair that I got from my sister in law, and it is super comfy. It's like one of those really nice, like it looks like a recliner type of chair. But it's an office chair, and it's got cushy, com- comfy upholstery on it. I'm liking it. Makes my back Your happy. Tush is happy. Makes my back oh. happy. <laughs> you asked if her tush is happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, my ass is pretty happy, and so is my lower back. So, yeah. I hate like lower. Finding a chair that's like really good for your lower back is really difficult. It is. Well, that's because the human body is stupid. The <laughs> fact that we're upright is dumb. <laughs> like gravity says no. <laughs> now we're just like, <laughs> all of us are just like laying on gurneys doing our podcast. <laughs> our um, body's stupid. We should always be laying on our backs as we podcast. <laughs> I'm a little horrified because what I'm now imagining is a bunch of human skeletons. Painted green singing defying gravity. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> T-shirt right there. You can't bring me down, gravity. You can't. <laughs> you can make everything hurt like a son of a bitch, but I will stand upright if that's what I want. You can make everything sag, but I'm still standing, damn it. <laughs> I think, uh, no, I think that's a really good positive thing, though, because, like, a good chair is hard to find. Mm-hmm. It really is, especially if it's actually supportive to your spine. Yes. I was using... I was using a wooden rocking chair before, so this is uh, much Ooh. better. Ouch. Because yeah. I like being creepy. You are. No, no, no. You, my, you, my friend, are definitely a masochist. <laughs> I like to be as uncomfortable as possible. That's when I do my best work. Mm, yes. Hurt me so good, gravity. <laughs> it hurts so good. All right. Emily, do you have any good things that you want to share that aren't uh, weird that we're not going to make sexual jokes about? Yeah, yeah. I do. Or that we will make sexual jokes about. 
Well, this one has to do with nuts. Okay. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) I just presented my research findings dealing with the, the nut rot pathogen, and it went really, really well. So that was my thesis research, and people were really excited about it and super into it. I've actually had people reach out and ask me to present it at other conferences now. So I'm Yay! very excited. That's my good news. That's awesome. <laughs> Lindsay sat in on it and I'm sure her eyes glazed over more than once. No, <laughs> I actually, trees. I thought it was really good. It was really interesting because at one point you're talking about how, you know, when you go for walks through nature, you know, you'll see like acorns on the ground and I can't remember what the other nut was, but you mentioned Each. another and then, but you never see chestnuts. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I've ever seen a chestnut like in the wild ever. Like I don't even, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to pick it out from anything. So that got me really got me thinking. And then obviously you used a lot of big words that I don't understand, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I was able to like follow along with it. So I got the gist of it. Yeah, it went really well. And I was very pleased and thank you for coming. Yeah. Even if. Some of it was a little over your head. I totally get that. I sit through plenty of talks where I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) I do science. You know science? Okay. (laughs) Do you put poop in the freezer? (laughs) It's only real science if you freeze it. (laughs) I have frozen my stuff too, so (laughs) mine might make more sense too. Last I checked, nuts don't poop, so. <laughs> I don't even know what to do. <laughs> I'm just like, how am I going to reel this back in? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so Ashley, I got to play with rotten nuts, and then I got to tell people about how those rotten nuts were fun. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I have anything good or not. Well, I guess it's good. I got, I finally got um, my first COVID shot. So I guess that's Yay. good. Yeah. Um, I didn't do super well because I have a really big problem with needles because they give me a lot of anxiety uh, and I don't like them at all. So either because of all of the anxiety or because of the shot, I don't really know which one, but I did come home and immediately barf. But that's okay. You know what? No, it's okay. I only threw up once. It's fine. It's done. I was really tired for a couple of days. But other than that, I got one down. I got one left. So that's good. That's really good that you got your your first dose and you're on your way. That's got to feel like a relief that there's some normality within, within sight. It does. But I will not really feel better until the second one's done because I just don't yeah. I just don't like needles and it's not I would love to just be able to be like it's not a big deal but I'm still gonna probably have like a ton of anxiety yeah it'll be better at least this time because I know I'm not gonna have an allergic reaction because mm-hmm. last time I did not know for sure whether or not that would happen but that's okay I did I I got over it. I did what I'm supposed to do, and that's all that matters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Phobias suck, man. I have a lot of them because I am a basket case, and that's okay. <laughs> Green Day says it's fine, so that's all that matters. <laughs> Whew. All right, so before we close up the restaurant, I am going to read 
a lovely review from one of our very satisfied guests. If my dog will stop whining. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This one is from someone with the username over 69,000 and they titled it great podcast. The review says this show is super fun, interesting, and very well researched. The hosts are all great and have really good chemistry together. I love the topics they cover, and the way they're presented makes for a good listening experience. Check it out for yourself. Yes. Thank you for your kind words, over 69,000. We yeah, appreciate it. Especially the well-researched part. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good. Like, dust the shoulders off with that one. Oh, or is that what we're doing now? Does that make you a pimp? You just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting the crypt dust off my shoulders after (laughs) coming out to go to the library and research. The only thing that dusting your shoulders off will ever make me think of now for till the end of time for better or for worse besides the Jay-Z song is that scene in The Last Jedi (laughs) where they they try to just shoot the living crap out of Luke Skywalker and then when the dust clears he just like defiantly looks at Kylo Ren and is like (laughs) (laughs) Mark Hamill for life (laughs) you gotta make that you gotta make angry face at them when you do it though because that's how they know that this means fuck you (laughs) I am annoyed fuck you you tried to kill me You did not succeed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming to visit our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a homicidal slice of French folktale, pineapple pizza podcast, sweet and cheesy. Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark? If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice, because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at PineAppAppPizzaPod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.